Welcome to Crosspoint, where we are celebrating the joyous coming of a king. A king. Our focus this Christmas season has been on Jesus, the king of kings who was born in a stable and laid in a manger. That alone should shout to each one of us, I've focused over these last few weeks in December on Isaiah's prophecies and on Mary and on Joseph. And finally, last week, on the shepherds. This is an amazing story of God's love, and it only gets better. So we're going to pick up this story, well, with wise men who are traveling from the east to Bethlehem. So if they came from the other side of the Arabian desert, most likely the Orient, they were on the move for weeks, even months, and maybe up to a year. This is a beautiful story that's clouded a bit by myth and tradition. So we're going to try and find out what the scriptures have for us tonight. But before we do, let's pray. Father, we again come together because of your great love for us. You sent your son to be placed in a manger. None of that makes sense to any of us. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of all, placed in a manger. But God, your plans are different than ours. And you wanted to show us how much you care. So as we continue this amazing story, Father, we pray that you would open our eyes because so many of us have heard the story so many times. We've told the story. We've listened to the story. So today, would your spirit be so abundantly active and, and would you today, Father, work in an amazing way? Open our eyes to the wonder of a king born in a manger. We also pray, Father, for all those other folks who are, are gathering today and tomorrow and are celebrating your birth here in this state and in our country and all over the world. We pray, Lord, that, that you would use this time to remind each one of your kids of how much you care. And for those, Father, that don't know you yet, would this story draw them to your feet? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are not told how many wise men there were. Now, now again, I, I know I'm going to break some of your bubbles at this moment because every Christmas pageant, you've got three wise men. You just do. But we don't know how many wise men there were. We don't know the names of the wise men. In some traditions, they've been named. We don't know that. We don't know how the wise men traveled to Palestine. We have a good idea. I mean, it is a desert, and perhaps camel would be best. 
But, but we don't know that. And we don't know the specific country or countries from which they came. Some scholars believe the Magi were originally part of the Babylonian Empire. And if you're familiar at all with the Old Testament, there's a book in the Old Testament called Daniel. And Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, well, they were taken from the land of Israel and brought to Babylon. And there they, well, were taught the ways of Babylon. This happened about 600 B.C., Some folks believe that it was during this time and Daniel's influence that the Magi began to learn about the true God, the real God. Maybe, maybe it did. And if this be the case, it could have been Daniel who actually introduced them to this true God. But let's open our Bibles. And and if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 2 or your flat screens, and if you didn't bring them tonight, you can follow along on the screen behind me. It would be Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1 through verse 12. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem. Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law. Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Most biblical scholars believe that the Magi themselves were probably Parthenians. They came from a group of people that lived quite a ways away. It included an area of modern Iraq, Iran, and most of Afghanistan. But this powerful empire ruled from about 200 B.C. to about 200 A.D. The Magi, if they came from this empire, they were the kingmakers the wise men, or the political advisors of this empire. It's likely that if they traveled, they had a large contingent of soldiers and servants. Herod had to feel threatened when this impressive caravan arrived from the east into Jerusalem. Because of their wealth, prestige, 
and power. They had the appearance and demeanor of royalty. Yeah. That's why so many times um, we traditionally have them pictured as kings from the Orient. But literally, they were astrologers, a bit different than astronomers. Nevertheless, they studied stars. And one day, one night, they noticed there was a bright light in the sky that never had appeared before. They'd never seen anything like this before. And they followed it to worship the newborn king. We know that God orchestrated the visit, but not very sure of all the details. The wise men we see, at least in this book, in the gospel, are the first people to acknowledge or establish Jesus Christ as being born king of the Jews. As mentioned before, perhaps it was Daniel's influence and testimony that lit the fire, that opened their eyes to the Hebrews' holy scriptures. We know the Magi were educated, so they probably knew of some of the prophecies, if not all of the 330 Old Testament prophecies about Christ the Messiah. In Matthew 2, we find out at least four of these prophecies were fulfilled when Jesus came to Bethlehem, when he was born there. Each of the predictions focus on a geological location closely related to Christ's birth and his early childhood. The four locations in Matthew 2 are Bethlehem, Egypt, Rama and Nazareth. It's clear that God revealed himself to foreigners here. The elite, the educated, the privileged, the economically secure. If you were here with us last Sunday, we also saw God appear Well, to the other end of the spectrum, the lowly shepherds, the ones that were on the low end of the social ladder. But the Magi weren't. They weren't. They were the other end of the spectrum. And in their studies and in their understanding, they recognized God's handiwork, and they listened. They saw his light. Now again, was it a literal star? Was it a planet? Or was it an angel? We're not exactly sure. We really aren't. But we know this, is that whenever God wanted to point out something, it was brilliant. So it could have been any one of those things. But they saw his light. And eventually this bright light led them directly to King Jesus. Now what's so interesting is that the Magi left 
And they came with purses that were filled with gifts for royalty. N.T. Wright, one of the scholars that I've been reading, he notes this. The gifts that the Magi brought were the sort of things that people in the ancient world would think of as appropriate gifts to bring kings or even gods. These travelers from the east came to Palestine with one purpose, to find the newly born king of the Jews and to worship him. They came to see, honor, and gift as true royalty a king who was prophesied in the scriptures hundreds of years before the king was born. Despite their paganism, their quasi-science, and superstition, they recognized that God was talking. Though having limited spiritual light, they immediately recognized God's light when it shone on him. And the light led to Jesus. And they found Jesus. And they worshipped the king. Interesting. We're going to look at the gifts in just a moment. But what happened in this little blip of time. We have this caravan who come, come to the king and worship before they give gifts. You see, worship always precedes gifts. Adoration usually includes gifts. And although so many of you are guests of ours today, one of the things that I'm so excited about our church, our community, is that we are growing in worship. We're learning how to adore God better as we spend time with our Savior. Our eyes are opened. And we serve Him because of love. We give because of who he is, and we want to honor him. And that's what happened with the Magi. Now, they brought Jesus three gifts. One, I'm pretty sure you've recognized, gold. And there's frankincense and myrrh. If you're into essential oils, you might know all three of these things. But if not... They, they seem a little bit, at least to us in our culture, a little odd. Now, these gifts were costly items with great value that were normally brought out only for special occasions and for those fortunate enough to actually have them. These gifts were special. They were practical. And they were generous. Most couldn't give gifts like this, and usually the only ones who received it were those who were kings. Let's just look at the gifts quickly. But gold. Gold was a precious metal, just as it is today, symbolizing, though, nobility and royalty. Although many of us have something 
that is made of gold. Again, back in this culture, unless you were part of the upper echelon, you never had the opportunity to have gold. Frankincense. Frankincense was a costly, beautiful-smelling incense that was used only for the most special of occasions at the tabernacle or the temple to honor or worship God. Myrrh. Myrrh was also a perfume. It was used mostly as a healing oil or a balm. And many times when a person died, it would be used as an embalming oil. These were the Magi's gifts to Jesus. Gold for royalty. Frankincense for his deity. And myrrh for his humanity and eventually death. Now, can you imagine this entourage coming seeing Mary and Joseph and the baby and giving these gifts. What do you think Mary and Joseph's reaction would be? I don't think they planned on it. They didn't understand all the things that were happening. But, but let me just I'll give you a side note before we dig into this. The scriptures tell us that this young family were living in a Bethlehem house by the time the wise men made their way to Jesus and saw him with their own eyes. Again, I know this is going to upset some of you because you have nativity scenes and there's always wise men, three of them, right in front of the manger. Wow. The scriptures are clear here. By this time, Mary and Joseph had a Bethlehem flat. And they had Jesus in this home. Now, imagine this, as I said, a neighborhood in Bethlehem, not a very big city. This gigantic caravan comes meandering into the city. And the star, or the light, point them right to where the baby Jesus is. How cool is that? But they, they show up. First of all, the wise men, I, I bet they took a breath. Were they expecting some kind of a palace? Some kind of a mansion? Something that would at least, you know... Hey, it's a king. And they kind of go up to this one-bedroom apartment. It's not exactly what they expected. And Mary and Joseph, they had to be surprised. But then again, were they? Were they surprised? They already had experienced the miracle of Christmas. They already had seen God do something he's never done before. Mary, a virgin giving birth? Joseph, 
being approached by an angel. I mean, the story gets better and better and better. Why wouldn't God continually take care of them? Now, this wasn't their plan, I'm sure, but it was God's way. Now, let me just build on this just a little bit, but but the Magi did come at least two months after the birth, and probably longer. Remember that Mary had already traveled with Joseph back to the temple, and this happened about 40 days after the birth. And if you were with us again a few weeks ago, we went into this a little deeper. But once Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple, Mary offered their purification rites after giving birth. And then they basically dedicated Jesus because he was the firstborn male. And the scriptures tell us when this happened, there were two sacrifices. One would be a sacrificial lamb and the other one would be a sacrificial dove or pigeon. But God did make an arrangement for those who are too poor to afford a lamb. He said, if that's the case, you can sacrifice two doves. And we read in the scriptures, that's what happened. Mary and Joseph were so poor, they sacrificed the doves. If the Magi had already visited, they wouldn't have to do that. We do not know how much money, technically, all this stuff was worth. But we know that God took care of them by these gifts, probably for years. Now let me return again for a moment back to the Magi in Herod. As we open the scriptures and read the scriptures, this large caravan, as I said, ended up in Jerusalem talking to King Herod and basically asking this, King Herod, you know, we've come a long way. Uh, we know the king of the Jews has been born. Can you tell us where he is. Now, if you didn't know that King Herod was the king of the Jews at that moment, the political king, um, I, I, I'm wondering how he's feeling about this whole deal. I know this, is that King Herod then called in his special group of guys. Hey, what, what's the deal? When is this supposed to happen? And they told him, oh, it is, and it's been prophesied, and, and the king's going to be born in Bethlehem. Wow. So Herod confirmed the information and told the Magi, and said, hey, you go. You go find the king. Worship the king just like you're supposed to. But then come back and tell me where the king is. It wasn't for good reasons. We find out later in Matthew chapter 2 that a furious herald, Herod, excuse me, a furious Herod finds out that the Magi literally trick. And they go home a whole completely different way. Herod's ticked. He's threatened. He sends his troops to Bethlehem in order to eliminate all the baby boys who were two years old or younger. Oh, 
the ruthless king tried to take matters into his own hands and did what he had to do in order to ensure his continued reign as the political king. But, again, God knew what was going to happen. And in a dream, he basically talked to Joseph. And he said, Joseph, you've got to get up. You've got to go to Egypt. Take your family with you. A horrendous, horrendous thing is going to be happening. And one of the things we learned about Joseph is that he was a godly man and he listened when God talked to him. He got his family up and the scriptures tell us that he left for Egypt and was protected. Lived there literally until Herod died. Say, wow, Rick, I've, I've heard this story. I, I, I recognize that, that this manger was a major thing in the scriptures. What does it all mean? Let me try to wrap this up for you. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Lord, the King of the Jews, and the King of Kings. He is the one who left the heavenlies in order to endure Calvary's chaos on the cross so that all people might be cleansed through His shed blood and have a restored relationship with God. Jesus was born to bless and to minister all people of all places of all races. God so loved the world that he sent his son so that anyone who puts their faith in him can become a son or a daughter of God. You see, every one of us, we're separated from God because of our own sin. And God knew that. So he sent Jesus, the perfect human, to die on the cross, to shed his blood, and to pay your debt and my debt so that we can be reunited with God. We can experience the joy and the peace and the hope and the love that God intended. That is good news. The news that brings joy to all people everywhere. May we gather this Christmas to proclaim Him, to worship Him, to adore Him, and bring Him gifts in the way we see modeled from the lives of the wise men in the Scripture. For a moment, I'd like you to just Take some time to think about this story. How amazing and wonderful it is. How much God cares for you and for me. And in spite of the hectic circumstances of life, let's be quiet and let this story kind of marinate. While you're doing that, you've all been given candles. 
and we're going to have some folks come down the aisles and, and light those candles if you're right there on the aisle. And once your candle's lit, we would ask you just to light the candles that are next to you. Because in just a moment, we're going to sing Silent Night. And when we do, we'd love to have all these candles lit. So before I pray and before I sing, I would just want to ask you this. Maybe even now you want to respond to God's amazing invitation of hope and joy and love and peace. Maybe you've never come to a faith or place in your life where you've trusted Christ as Savior and you're living life apart from God. The Scriptures tell us that today, today you could put your faith in Jesus, our Savior. Today is a day that would change your life forever. And during this quiet time, I encourage you to do that very thing. So before we sing about that silent night, let me pray. Father, I would ask this, that you would do a special work in our midst tonight. We've told this old, old story again. And to some of us, the manger, well, it's old. But God, you showed us how much you love. You sent Jesus to pay my debt. And you have given each one of us an opportunity to get reconnected with you. I pray, Father, if there's anyone who's listening to these words, that you would draw them to yourself. That you would use this exciting story of love to reunite all those. And for those, God, that, that maybe have been reunited, are, are part of your family because of their faith, we pray, Lord, that you would give them fresh eyes, that they would experience the wonder of the manger and and know how much you love them. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together. So 
This Christmas, you experience the peace, the love, the hope, and the joy of Christ. We hope that you have a happy, joyous, and merry Christmas. You're dismissed.